It's the David Eagle Podcast. These are podcast episodes from 2016, a year that saw me release a podcast every single day for that year in a project called David's Daily Digital Dollop. We are compiling these weekly omnibus editions so that we don't have to have 366 podcasts just for 2016 alone. We're up to week 15. We're firmly into April. We've come back from our tour of Australia with my folk band, The Young'uns. We're back in England and we are embarking on our UK tour. When you hear this noise... That means we're moving on to the next dollop. Enjoy. David's Daily Digital Dollop. Dollop 99. A difficult subject to talk about, but an important one. My secret truth revealed. Most of you, if you're a regular listener and if you know me, will know, obviously, that I'm blind. And, you know, I talk about that now and again. I don't like it to be all I talk about. It's not as if that's what I am and that's therefore, you know, when I'm writing these dollops and things, that's the thing that I talk about. But now and again, I'll talk about it if something happens as a result. or if I... But blindness is a recognised disability. And it doesn't mean that I'm a social outcast or anything like that, as I may well have been hundreds of years ago or even less time than that. But there are... one thing that I have never talked about, and only my closest friends know this, because it's something that doesn't really surface very often. And that's about another disability that I have. It's a disability that I can keep hidden most of the time. But before we start, I should really warn you that, that, you know, these dollops are generally meant to be funny, and hopefully they have been, but I just feel, in light of something that happened yesterday, I just feel as if I, I just want to do something a little bit different and talk about something personal, and I hope it'll maybe help other people. This disability that I have very rarely manifests itself, but it did manifest itself yesterday. Now, some of us, when we get angry, we all deal with anger in different ways. Some people are passive-aggressive, other people just, you know, take deep breaths, count ten, other people just start shouting. And most of the time I react, I would say, in, in, in ordinary ways that most people would do if they were angry. But now and again, very rarely, I involuntarily, I have no choice in this, I involuntarily start to vent my aggression through the medium of popular song parody. Now this may not seem too serious until you consider the consequences. I have no control of this. This isn't something that's funny. This is a, a genuine affliction that I can't turn off, that is involuntarily ingrained within me. It's kind of like Tourette's in a way, a form of musical Tourette's, pop parody Tourette's. Last night, we were in an Indian restaurant, and the waiter came over and brought our order to us. And the, everything in the order that I'd ordered was completely wrong, completely messed the order up. Not a problem. Normally, this wouldn't get to me. Normally, you know, it's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll mention it and he'll take it back or whatever and we'll sort it out. Or I'll, I'll just have it because, you know, I like most foods. It's absolutely fine. But for some reason, last night I was feeling a bit tired and, and this kind of got to me. I got a bit stressed about the whole situation. And I thought, this is unlike me because I don't get like that. And I thought, oh no, I know what's about to happen here. I knew that the affliction was about to strike. And when it does... There's nothing that I can do about it. I am completely at the mercy, in the power of this odd malady. So uh, let me talk you through the process of what happens. And it very rarely happens. Let me talk you through the process of what happened last night. Firstly, I get very irritable. I know that I'm more irritable than usual. That's the first step. The second step, I suddenly start to hear the sound of music in my head. It sort of fades in. And as soon as I hear the music, I'm thinking, oh, no, I know what's about to happen. The next thing that happens, I involuntarily begin to rise to my feet. I just can't help myself. I rise to my feet. And that's what happened last night. Last night, the man completely messed my order up. I got more angry about it than I ordinarily would. And I couldn't control my rage. I heard the music start reverberating around my head. I recognized the, the song. It was the Ting Tings. 
I don't know if you remember the band The Ting Tings. And this was from a song from 2008. That's not my name. I mean, it's not, and that's a weird other thing as well. There's no knowing what song is going to come out. There's no rhyme or reason that I can see for what song suddenly appears. But that was the song, Ting Tings, That's Not My Name. I heard the song, I was on my feet, and my mouth opened. My, my friends tried to stop me, because they knew what was going to happen. Sean tried to pull me back down, but he knows there's no point. Because all I will do is I'll get angry, I'll get violent, if needs be, because no one is going to stand in my way of getting this parody out. I must deliver it. So I pushed Sean back into his seat, and my other friends knew there was no point. The ting-tings played out in my head, and I faced the waiter, who looked completely vexed, had no idea what was going on. And I opened my mouth, and I began to wildly sing. I said samosa, not onion bargey. I asked for garlic. This is peshwari. That's not my naan. That's not my naan. That's not my naan! That's not my naan! I asked for Tika. You brought me Boona. You call this chicken? It's fucking tuna! That's not my naan! That's not my naan! That's not my naan! That's not my naan! And then the music faded out. And I. And I was just stood there, the sound of my own voice reverberating through the restaurant. Diners looking on, startled by what they were witnessing. And as the music faded out, what happens next with this affliction is I suddenly become aware of my surroundings again, and I'm back to normal. I'm back in the room. And then, of course, it's me who's got to try and apologise and explain to everybody in the restaurant what's going on here. I did my very best to do so. I explained, as I have tried to explain to you, that this is an involuntary thing. In fairness to everybody in the restaurant, they were very understanding about it. And I apologised to the waiter, and he said, that, that's absolutely fine. And I sat back down, and my friends breathed a sigh of relief. And the sort of normality restored itself. You know, it was a bit embarrassing at first, but, you know, the people's voices in the restaurant started to rise again in volume, and conversations began to restart. And I just thought, brilliant. I apologised to the waiter. I said, I'm sorry. I'm just feeling a bit tired and stressed at the moment. And to be honest, I've got a lot on my plate. And none of it is what I ordered. He says, I know, I know, I'm sorry about that. He said, I'll sort your order out, I do apologise. And while you're waiting, while I'm sorting your order out, while you're waiting, I'm going to give you complimentary poppadoms for the entire table. And I was just about to say, oh, that's brilliant. But rather than saying, that's brilliant, I heard the sound of music playing in my head once again. I thought, oh my God, but there's nothing I could do about it. I heard the music and I rose to my feet again and my friends were like, oh no, it's not again. Other people in the restaurant started turning around. There's a few people thinking, oh, we'll just try and ignore it. But they couldn't. It was too much of a spectacle. I rose to my feet. The waiter was thinking, oh God, what's going to happen now? And in my head... The sounds of Madonna began to reverberate. The waiter had promised complimentary poppadoms for the whole table. I rose to my feet, the sounds of Madonna reverberating through my head. I faced the waiter and began to sing. We'll have a complimentary poppadom each. That's no trouble, mate, a poppadom each. There's no need to lose any sleep. And I've made up my mind. I'm keeping my bargy. Yeah, don't worry about the samosa, mate. I'm going to keep my bargy. Oh. And then, of course, as quickly as it had come, the sounds of Madonna left me and I heard my own voice reverberating around the room. Fortunately, this hadn't been anywhere near as dramatic as the previous time. And the waiter didn't seem too harassed by this. He said, that's absolutely fine. Don't worry about it. He says, actually, not only am I going to get you complimentary poppadoms, but I'm also going to get you some complimentary rice, rice, baby. 
I said, what did you say? He said, rice, rice, baby. I said, I know what you said. I'm saying, what? What the hell do you think you're doing? He says, well, I just, you know, I'm just sort of trying to make light of it. The, the, the situation, you know, it's been a bit awkward. It's been a bit embarrassing. I'm just trying to, you know, make light of it. Join in. Show that there's, you know, nothing to feel self-conscious about, you know. I said, nothing to feel self-conscious about. I've just stood up in a massively busy restaurant and just started singing, shouting at the top of my voice about naan bread. I was absolutely seething. You honestly, seriously think that's going to help? You don't do that with other disabilities. I mean, I'm blind, but people don't start walking into walls and tripping over things just to make me feel more at home. Absolutely ridiculous. I was getting really angry at this point. And it didn't help as well because a few other people started doing little jokes. Take a chance on me. What? It doesn't even work. Somebody else started singing Vindaloo. Vindaloo, Vindaloo. I said, you can't just do that. That's not a parody. That's just you singing a song that already exists word for word. He says, actually, I wasn't doing it word for word, David. I said, you were. He said, well, I wasn't. Because he said the words are Vindaloo, na na. But I was singing Vindaloo, na na. So I changed it. I'd, well, regardless, you're really not seeing my point here. This is a serious thing for me. It's an affliction that's haunted me for my entire life. It happens very rarely. But when it does happen, it leaves me feeling very embarrassed. It's, this has broken up relationships in the past. You know, I, and the idea of you just joining in, if anything, it just rubs salt into the wound. Because you're able to control it. You can do it whenever you want. I'm not doing this for a laugh. This is not amusing. This is not meant to be funny. It's a good job, isn't it? Seriously, the people listening to this right now who are laughing... What the hell do you think you're doing? I wanted to tell you about this because I thought we'd built up a, a bit of a rapport, a bit of a friendship over the last few weeks. Obviously, I wasn't saying this to the man at the, the curry house, the waiter. I was, I'm saying this to you now, who's listening to the dollop. You know, we've built up a relationship over the 98 dollops. I thought I could trust you. Now you're laughing at my affliction. Rice, rice, baby, indeed. Anyway, I just wanted to tell you about that. <laughs> Surprise! Do you remember, Lucy, start of the year, or at the Christmas time... We recorded some jingles. Yes. For my thing. Do you remember what it was for? The oh, David Stilly. Um. You probably hear people talking about it on the street quite a lot, don't you? Because it's quite famous. No. <laughs> <laughs> David, David Stilly. Digital. Oh yeah, David. David Staley, Digital Dollop. That's, that's <laughs> right. Well, so the idea was, if you remember, the idea was the challenge was to write a blog every single day which of the year consecutively, which obviously has happened, which is why the really? world is such a better place. Have you not noticed when you walk down the street that people are smiling more? No. No? I don't really go on the streets. On the streets? She's not part of that. She's not on the mean streets yet. We are now 100 days into the year, so that's a hundred consecutive blogs. Now, happy hundred! Thank you. And now we <laughs> intimated about some of the uh, the blogs that you listen to because you listen to like video blogs and stuff on YouTube. Uh, yeah. So, what kind of thing do you? Because if I wanted to get like a younger audience, I'm not. I don't because you you're stupid, you lot. But if I wanted to get some children, what kind of thing would I do to uh, get to your market? What kind of thing? Because at the moment, I'm talking about kind of politics and my kettle. No, no. And you don't no, like your no, 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 What no, kind no. of what kind of thing would you want? What kind of thing should I be talking you about? You would have to talk about popular stuff like popular songs. I can't. I do talk about me quite a lot. Is that no, what you mean? No, no. Well, no, no. no. And you would have songs. to... We do talk about songs. I talked about Pharrell Williams, Happy, because no. he says, it might seem crazy what I'm about to say, and then he sings, sunshine's here, it's time to take a break, which isn't that crazy, is it? You could, I think you could think of a crazier thing than sunshine's here, let's yes. take a break. So I'm going to give you a challenge now. Ready? It might seem crazy what I'm about to say. 
Nine cats are raiding the world away. Nine cats are raiding the world away. And it's pooping rainbows in space. But to be honest, if Pharrell Williams went, it might seem crazy what I'm about to say, cats are pooping rainbows. (laughs) What kind of subjects then? Popular songs? Apps. You would have to prank people. Prank people? Yeah, prank like, um... Okay, uh, Okay, how about this? Hang on, hang on. Someone's on the phone. Oh. Hello? Hello. Hello. (laughs) Hello. This is your headmaster. Why aren't you in school? Um, You should be in school. Why aren't you in school? It's Easter break. No, it's not. You should be in school. It's a Saturday. I pranked you. It's not really the headmaster. It's me. David Eagle from David's Daily Digital Dollop. Thank you. (laughs) We'll be back with another prank another time. So that would go down well, wouldn't it? Do you think, would you share that with your friends now? You know, that that would go viral, wouldn't it? No. No. Okay. Shall we move on (laughs) to um, Jingle? David's Daily Digital Dollop Jingle. Okay. Go on. Here we go. (laughs) You start. I'll start. Give me a D. Give me an I. I. Give me a G. G. Give me an I. I. Give me a T. T. Give me an A. A. Give me an L. L. Give me a D. D. Give me an O. O. Give me an L. L. Give me an L O P. L O P. It's Daily Digital. Oh, thank you. <laughs> there we are. That's good, that one. I think you'll agree, ladies and gentlemen. That took quite a lot of time to script. See how we get on tomorrow with another one. We're not writing these down. These are ad-libbed. I've come back home to Hartlepool for a couple of days to see the family. Yesterday's dollop was released at 11.35pm with only 25 minutes to spare. Well, it's 11.30 now and I haven't even uploaded it yet. So, dicing with death even more today. The reason for this was because I spent most of the day playing with children. I think going home always resurfaces thoughts about the passage of time. It doesn't help when my dad and his fiance Irene seem to enjoy talking about death so much. One of the first things that they told me upon entering the house was that they were both sorting out their wills. The next conversation that immediately followed this between me and my dad was a very familiar one because we've had this same conversation rather a lot. It starts with my dad saying something like, I was in church last Sunday and I heard about uh, Mrs Jenkins. Remember Mrs Jenkins? No, I don't think so. Oh, you do. She went to our church, Mrs Jenkins. I haven't been to church for ages, since my early teens. My dad will persist, though, despite me telling him that I've absolutely no idea who Mrs Jenkins is. Yeah, she used to to give you sweets after mass. Mrs Jenkins. No, I, I don't remember. I don't remember Mrs Jenkins in the slightest. You do, Mrs Jenkins. She used to nurse you on a knee if you started crying in church. And you used to immediately calm down. No, I, I think it's highly unlikely that I'm going to remember that because I was a baby. She was one of the helpers at Sunday school who used to read the uh, stories. Because obviously you couldn't see them to read. So she used to read them out to you, Mrs Jenkins. The conversation continued like this and gra- I gradually started to get a vague memory of Mrs Jenkins. My dad continued, she used to make the cakes for the church fates and they were always your favourites and you used to insist on going to visit her stall first, remember? Oh yeah, you know actually I am starting to remember now, Mrs Jenkins, yeah Mrs Jenkins, you know, she used to, you used to enjoy the music so she gave you a toy keyboard to play with and said that you could take it home with you, it was your very first keyboard, Mrs Jenkins gave you that, remember? Oh yeah, of course, oh my god! 
Mrs. Jenkins. Oh, lovely old Mrs. Jenkins. Oh, she was great. I can't believe that I've forgotten all about Mrs. Jenkins. Oh, how is she? I should visit her and, and thank her for everything. Does uh, she still live around here? She was absolutely lovely, wasn't she, Mrs. Jenkins? I forgot all about her. Uh, how is she? She's dead. She died last week. That's why I'm mentioning her. Brilliant. So I've just become reacquainted with a long-lost friend who I'm suddenly filled with so much love and appreciation for, only to immediately have her cruelly taken away from me. You better not shout. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. David Staley, Digital Dollars in Town. You better not shout. You better not cry. You better not scowl. You better not... No, wait, let me have a go. Wait, no, wait, you better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. David Staley, Digital Dollops in Town. Your go. You better not shout. You better not cry. You better not shout. You can't do the same thing. You have to make another thing up. Right, I'll do another one line and then you. You better not smash a light bulb because it will hurt you. <laughs> you better not, not shout, you better not cry, you better not pout, I'm telling you why. David's daily digital dogs in town. Here we go. <clears throat> well, you better not frown, you better not scowl, you better not dry your hands on the towel. <laughs> David's daily digital dogs in town. Okay. You know that I've been blogging because that's what I do. He's editing art on the toilet having a a a a poo. No, you can't. <laughs> you can't. Oh, tomorrow, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. Typical. Eleven-year-old and still talking about poo. Death was very much the main theme of the day once again in my family home in Hartlepool. Dad has been trying to tell me about his will and to talk through its various elements. I put up quite a bit of resistance as I really didn't fancy having this conversation. I told him that I would be satisfied with just knowing what he's written in his will once he's died. After all, it would be a shame to ruin the moment by providing spoilers. Dad has also just emailed me a copy of his diaries from 30 years ago. He had my mum had written when I had cancer and was becoming blind, as well as the diary that he wrote just after mum died when I was 12. He explained that he'd done this so that I could read it when he'd gone. I have asked him if there's something that he's not telling me, but apparently there isn't. He is absolutely fine. He just seems to have acquired a new, unusual hobby that involves him fixating on his own death and chatting about it in great detail to his increasingly concerned sons. I really do think that this is his new hobby, as he doesn't sound downbeat when he talks about it. He genuinely sounds jolly, as if he's merely discussing going to the shops or something. I think my dad's matter-of-fact attitude about his own death is influenced by his fiancée Irene, who is very much a hardened, down-to-earth, no-nonsense Yorkshire woman. She is certainly not abashed about discussing biological matters. The first time she cooked a meal for my dad, which was a delicious curry, beautifully and diligently prepared, she carried the plate over to the table, plonked it down in front of my dad and proudly declared, there you are, now that'll make you go in the morning. Not bon appetit or anything pretentious like that. She'd spent hours in the kitchen making this meal, 
but before he'd even taken one mouthful of it, she was already commenting on its exit from him. So I think that Irene's unashamed frankness about stark biological inevitabilities has rubbed off on Dad. At least I hope that's all it is. Otherwise, these dollops are about to get a lot more depressing and introspective. I mean, I'd still throw in a few jokes for you. Don't worry about that. In fact, I wonder if Dad put any jokes into his diary entries. Maybe he's not sending me this because he thinks that he might die anytime soon, but actually because he thinks that they're hilarious and that they might provide me with an award-winning stand-up show. Okay, it's time for another David's Daily Digital Dollop Jingle with my 11-year-old niece, Lucy. In the past, we've been doing jingles for the dollop made up on the spot with the accompaniment of a keyboard demo from a toy keyboard. But Lucy's getting a bit more inventive now. She uh, got a phone out, launched into a parody. I'm hoping that she hasn't got spontaneous pop parody Tourette's like I have. But she launched into a parody of a song that I've not heard before and then appropriated it to fit uh, David's Daily Digital Dollop theme quite impressed by that and then she recorded her own voice singing it and then played that recording back and then started harmonizing over the top of her own voice so it's quite inventive here we're seeing a progression we're seeing an evolution so we'll do that and then we shall delve into today's dollop subject yeah. All day for David's digital dollop. <laughs> you saying i've been waiting all day yeah. For David's Daily Digital Dollop. Uh-huh. Well, that was good. Well, if you do that again... David's Daily Digital Dollop! I've been waiting all day For David's Daily Digital Dollop So come on now, come on now Just upload it until I can see it Oh, very good! Very <laughs> improvising, I'm... Yes! See, um, I've been waiting all day for David's Daily Digital... Daily digital oh, for God's sake, I ruined it there. She's trying to... She's videoed it so she can now harmonise with right, herself. Right, all right, I like, all right. You're very inventive. I'll give you I that. I know! See, See, I've been waiting all day <laughs> for David's Daily Digital Dollop. So come on now, come on now, upload it so I can listen to it. I called the bank yesterday in order to transfer some money to someone. When the man on the phone had done my transfer, he asked me why I'd chosen to use telephone banking today instead of doing it online, which, he pointed out, can often be much more convenient and quicker. I told him that I didn't have my card reader with me as I was in Hartlepool, not Sheffield. He said that he could send another card reader in the post to my Hartlepool address so that I could have a reserve one if I ever wanted to transfer money while I was at my dad's house in Hartlepool. This would mean that I wouldn't need to worry about using telephone banking. I thanked him for his concern, but informed him that I did much prefer talking to a human being, as it is often less stressful than doing it online. Well, just to let you know, sir, that we have actually made massive improvements to our online banking facilities, and many of our customers do prefer the service, finding it much more efficient and quicker than our telephone banking service. I found this quite an odd conversation to be having, bearing in mind that the man worked for telephone banking. He was essentially talking down his service and talking his way out of a job. Fair enough, he might be required by his superiors to mention the online banking option, but it seemed a bit strange to be bigging it up so much whilst dissing his own job. Or maybe this wasn't an edict from management at all, and he actually just had massive self-esteem issues. At the end of the call, he asked me if I would be willing to take part in an anonymous customer service survey 
to rate his call with me today. Apparently, it would only take me five minutes of my time. He'd just told me that people preferred to do online banking because it's quicker, and now here he was suggesting that I spent another five minutes voluntarily on the phone to the bank. Was this yet another ploy from management to annoy people so much with telephone banking that they decided to do it online in future? My telephone banking experience had been absolutely fine. It had been stress-free, quick and highly efficient. It had taken less than five minutes to make my transfer. I'd spent an extra two minutes, though, on the phone with the man, then justifying why I'd chosen to use his service above the online one, which would essentially one day make him redundant. And now has been asked to spend another five minutes on the phone answering questions about the last five minutes. The automated voice wanted me to speak in sentences, even though it didn't seem intelligent enough to actually understand them. I'll give one word answers and it would say, provide more detail. And when I did provide more detail, I didn't have a clue what I was talking about and kept getting confused. I didn't want to crush the man's self-esteem, which is why I hadn't declined the offer to do the customer service survey. So I agreed, but after five minutes of trying to talk to a stupid, annoying machine about how stress-free my telephone banking experience had been, I ironically began to get very stressed. The phone conversation with the human had been absolutely fine and stress-free, but this was beginning to drive me insane. I eventually gave up and put the phone down. It's David City Digital Dollop! It's David City Digital Dollop! David's Daily Digital Dollar! David's Daily Digital Dollar! David's Daily Digital Dollar! Yeah, that's a good one! That's a good one! David's Daily Digital Oh, it's the blog that's completely off the rails. It's the blog where David lets off some steam. That could be your pun. Okay, right. Okay, ready? Here we go, let's try it. It's the blog that's totally off the rails. It's where David lets off some steam. (laughs) Does the name will ring a bell? Ring the bell again. David's Daily, Daily Digital, Digital Dollar. Excellent. I think you'll agree, Lucy, that that was pretty good there. Dollop! OK, I'm not going to have time to edit this, so hopefully I can read it without any mistakes. 15 minutes before going on stage for our first gig on the tour, and I'm currently recording this from the dressing room, you will be able to hear a little bit of music in the background, which is the stage sound in my monitors. While waiting in the barbers a couple of days ago, I received a phone call from a number that I didn't recognise. Hello, David Eagle. Before you say anything, please do not swear. You are on loudspeaker and there is a class of college students listening. As the person on the phone continued to talk, I realised who it was. It was my friend Matthew from school, who I've not spoken to for about a year. He works as a music teacher in college in Teesside. He went on to explain that the class was talking about having a career in music, and he decided, on a whim, with no prior warning given to me, that he would call me up so I could talk to his class over the phone. He asked me if I was free to say a few words to his class. There were still quite a few people before me. The music's getting louder. I'm shouting over it people before me to get their hair cut, so I did have the time, although I had no idea what I was meant to say. 
My mind wasn't really focused on talking to students. I spent about 10 minutes on the phone answering questions about being a professional musician while I sat in the barbers. Goodness knows what the other people in the barbers thought. I probably sounded very pretentious, especially when one of them asked me what it was like to be famous. She seemed to be genuine, but I couldn't believe that she actually was. Rather than answering the question in a slightly self-deprecating manner, correcting her about the notion that I was in any way famous, which I am not, I asked her if she had heard of me and if she really knew who I was. I asked this because I was surprised that she seemed to view me as, a, as someone who was famous, but to anyone else overhearing me in the barbers, it must have made me sound even more pretentious and up myself. Do you know who I am? Have you heard of me? The girl said that she had heard of me and that she'd been at our Sage gig last year. I was intrigued to know how many other students I was talking to had also heard of me and was just about to ask, give me a cheer if you've heard of me. But then I came to my senses and realised how arrogant and pompous that would sound, both to the students and to the other customers in the barbers. So I, re I refrained from letting my curiosity get the better of me. After about 10 minutes, my old school friend, who I very rarely speak to, and I probably haven't spoken to for about five years in fact, thanked me for my time. I got a thank you and a round of applause from the students. This blog is off the rails. It's where David lets off some steam. The name will ring a bell. It's... David Freddy Digital Cup! <laughs> that was so cool. Yet again, I haven't got the ability to edit, nor time to edit, because we're about to go on stage in the next 15 minutes. I'm sitting cross-legged in the middle of a corridor. The tyranny of Thatcher seems to still be looming large over her hometown of Grantham, or at least at the Guildhall Arts Centre, anyway. There were signs up all over the place listing various venue rules. There were a number of notices on display in our dressing room. One of them told us not to hang things on the light shades. Presumably this was because it would be a fire hazard, although it didn't specify this, so maybe it was purely on aesthetic grounds. Perhaps the venue is run by someone with obsessive compulsive disorder, and covered light shades might send them into an uncontrollable rage. Another sign said that alcohol is not permitted on or around the stage. Again, there is no reason given for this. Also, it doesn't specify what it means by on or around, which seems quite vague. Often the venue will provide a few complimentary bottles of beer, or someone from the venue will ask if you want anything from the bar. But this didn't happen at Grantham, so maybe alcohol is not even allowed in the dressing room, as it falls under the remit of around the stage. We don't drink alcohol on stage anyway, but there are many performers who do, especially in the folk world. Would the venue relax this rule for these performers? After all, it might negatively impact on the gig. If the rule was in practice for health and safety reasons, then it seemed a little bit strange that the other venues that we've gigged at don't seem to have this restriction in place. If they are worried about liquid being spilled and damaging equipment, then surely they should ban all liquids from the stage altogether, including water. Although, of course, this would be ridiculous. It could be that the place is run by puritanical oddballs who also have strict views 
on appropriate lightshade dressing. But the actual staff at the venue were very friendly and didn't seem to be the kind of people who would be at all bothered by such trivial nonsense. Hopefully I'll be able to still maintain the David's Daily Digital Dollop Challenge during this tour. I managed to successfully do this while in Australia in spite of patchy internet and being really busy, but this tour is going to be a lot busier than Australia. Last year we put a post on Facebook and Twitter asking people to come up with names for our tour. The winning one was Three For All, which we thought fitted what we were about. Our music is all about equality and acceptance, and the name also seems to... Uh, I've cocked that up. I'm not, I can't edit everybody, so I do apologise. I'll skip that sentence. It's not a matter. You can probably work out why we called it that for yourselves. We then had the idea to live up to the name a bit more of the tour by bringing our music out to beyond the venue setting. So we are going to be doing uh, loads of community events during the daytime, which will see us playing to people who probably would never come across our music ordinarily, whilst also helping some really worthwhile causes. Usually we'll spend most of the day on tour killing time until the gig and driving to the gig, but we're going to be really busy during the days of these various events and then on top of that I'll be writing and recording these dollops. It's a hard life and yes you should feel sorry for me. To be honest I don't even know what all these junior doctors are making such a fuss about. They should try being a folk singer who does charitable community events in the daytime, gigs at night whilst still maintaining a blog and podcast on the internet every day. Right Mr Hunt? Yeah. How's that for biting satire? This is the blog that'll blow you away. I passed the wrong one. <laughs> this is the blog that'll blow you away. <laughs> they say that this blog will blow you away. It's... I'm impressed. I'm impressed. Support for this tour comes from Irish Mythen, who Youngin's podcast listeners may remember from the session and interview that she did with us in Kansas last year. She was due to fly in to Manchester from Canada on Monday, a couple of days before the start of the tour. But then she got a blood clot in her kidneys, which meant that she couldn't fly until Wednesday. This meant that she missed Wednesday's Grantham gig. She probably got wind of the fact that she wouldn't be able to drink alcohol on stage, which Irish does when she performs, so decided to just wheel out the old trusty kidney blood clot line. She's also got a thing about covering light shades as well, so it might have been that that stopped her coming. You can't pull the wool over my eyes. Oh yes, she also has a thing for covering people people's eyes as well as light shades. Her new flight was due to arrive in Manchester at 11am yesterday. The plan was for Michael to pick up the hire car from Manchester Airport, pick Irish up from the airport and take her to the Robert Gillow pub in Lancaster, which was our first community event on the tour. We dropped Michael off at the Sheffield train station and then drove the young'uns van back to Sean's while Michael took a train to Manchester Airport. However, no sooner had the train pulled away, he got a call from Irish informing him that she had missed her flight to Manchester because her flight to Heathrow had been delayed. 
the next possible flight that she could get to Manchester would get her in at 5pm. Michael was due to arrive at the airport for 11am, so Michael was now heading to the airport to pick someone up who wasn't going to be there for another six hours. He couldn't just wait at the airport until 5pm, as he had to be at the pub in Lancaster at 1. He had no choice but to pick up the hire car, which Irish had paid for and was unable to drive for insurance reasons, and drive to Lancaster. But that didn't solve the problem of how we were going to get Irish to the gig. Mark, the landlord of the Robert Gillow pub in Lancaster, is a brilliant and inspirational man. He is one of those people who really makes the pub the heart of the local community. So much more than just simply a place that sells lager, has a fruit machine and sky sports. It serves quality ale and food and has music and entertainment on every day, including hosting the local folk club and lots of other music nights as well, supporting local performers. When the floods hit the area last year, he opened up his pub to everyone and served free non-alcoholic drinks and food to people and created sleeping places for people who had lost their homes in the floods. His pub continues to serve free food and non-alcoholic drinks to anyone who wants it and works on a trust basis whereby those who can afford it will pay but those who can't can have something to eat and drink and somewhere warm to go. It was a great way to start our run of community events. The pub was full of people and there was a nice mix of pub regulars who'd not heard us before and people who'd come especially to see us. The event also seemed to fit with the ethos of the landlord and his pub as we were doing a gig for free, possibly playing to those people who might not feel that they have the money to spend it on going to art centres to see a gig. The atmosphere was really friendly and everyone seemed to really enjoy it. We'd been a bit on edge at our Grantham gig because of the newness of the songs and it was the first day on our tour, but the friendly atmosphere of this pub meant that we were able to just fully relax and just let rip and have lots of fun. They'd set up a PA for us, but we decided to just do it unplugged and unaccompanied as the acoustics in the pub were great and it felt much more intimate than standing on the stage area in front of mics. Everyone seemed to really enjoy themselves and people weren't afraid to just shout out and join in in a good friendly way, I mean. We played for about 25 minutes. I'm mentioning this just in case there is someone listening to this who's getting a bit annoyed that they paid £40... £40? No, no, not yet, maybe next year. £14 to see us in an art centre when they could have just seen us in a pub for free. It was only 25 minutes and we didn't do any songs with instruments Plus, we deliberately made a couple of mistakes in each song to make sure that these non-paying listeners weren't getting as polished an experience as the paid ones. We also spat in their faces periodically as well. So don't worry, we don't want you to feel cheated here that you were paying for something that other people weren't getting. There might be a few people actually who are feeling a bit cheated saying, oh, I'd love David to have spat in my face. After the pub gig, Michael rushed to get Irish from Manchester Airport. It was a gamble, because we were on stage at Kendall at 8.30 and Irish started her gig at 8. Irish's flight was due in at 5, but then she'd have to get her luggage and get out of the airport, which could easily take half an hour. Michael would then have to drive from Manchester Airport through rush hour Manchester traffic to Kendall in time for our gig. It should be easily doable, 
unless the traffic was really bad. One traffic jam though, and the whole evening could potentially go up in smoke, like a light shade in a pyromaniac's dressing room in Grantham. The other option was for Irish to get the train, but this would mean that she would definitely miss another gig, as the train wouldn't get her in till 8 o'clock. But Irish's flight arrived on time, there was no traffic jam, and so they got to the gig with about an hour to spare. Michael seemed surprisingly fresh and lively, considering that he'd been driving so much today. Normally he gets quite tired after a long driving session. Could it be that it just might be sharing a van with me and Sean that grinds him down so much and the driving isn't actually an issue at all? No, of course not. Last night's gig in Kendall was really enjoyable. The new songs felt much more familiar and I was much more relaxed than last night. There was more audience interaction than in Grantham as well, with people feeling relaxed enough to join in and shout out and sing along and heckle. Talking of heckling, the other two were a little bit nervous at the start of the tour that these dollops might result in people shouting out odd dollop-related heckles, which would confuse the general young'uns fans who aren't clever enough to have started reading or listening to these daily dollops yet. But this hasn't happened yet, unfortunately. If you are coming to any of our gigs on the tour and you listen to these dollops, then please feel free to randomly shout out dollop-related phrases, such as, Pissing dog lady! Or, I wouldn't imagine that would taste very nice. Or maybe try and get a chant of kettles, kettles, kettles going. It will amuse me, annoy the other two, confuse a lot of the stupid non-dollar breeders, and I will also be forced into a situation where I'll have to pretend to be all embarrassed and then talk about David's daily digital dollop, thus giving me free promotion.